You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Heaters, welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat presented to you as always by Manscaped. And thank you as always for joining us. We appreciate it very much. I am Amanda and I'm joined as always by my jocund co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please be sure to find us on Twitter and you can follow the show there at Half Street High Heat. That's at Half ST High Heat for all the latest. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which uh, we keep updated with new episodes and lots of other good stuff that you don't want to miss. How you guys doing? I missed you in the last episode. Uh, we had our best episode yet last episode. Um, I didn't oh, even really? know we were gone. It's going to be, this is going to be your favorite <laughs> episode ever because my throat is still, I have strep throat and my throat's killing me. So I'm not going to talk as much. It's next dream come true. Uh, last episode was my favorite episode because we didn't hear you at all. Yeah, that was your dream come true. <laughs> this is only a slight nightmare. <laughs> How you guys oh, been? Uh, good. I mean, I don't have COVID, so you know, there, there's a plus. Yeah. Don't have don't have Delta. Don't have Delta. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me either. I only have Yeah, I'm more of a, a Southwest guy myself. Yeah. I have jam factories in my house and they, everyone in the house is sick. We all have strep throat. It's, it's horrible, <laughs> but, but here I am out of my dedication. Yeah, I'm doped we, all uh, up on, I'm doped up on NyQuil. So it should be a fun one. Activated you from the COVID IL. The non COVID IL. <laughs> it plays. We needed to clearly clear up a roster spot. So uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So been a little bit of a, Stuff going on with the Nats since we last spoke. I know you guys got to speak about all of that, but I haven't yet recorded since we. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Did you listen to the last episode? Yes, I did. Oh, nice. So, what are your? Uh, I know you have a, a sore throat, but what are your just quick thoughts on the 
the young guys that you see and kind of what are your expectations? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy. We've talked so much about how they needed to get younger and we all know it needed to happen. It's tough to see. But, um, you know, I'm excited about a lot of the young guys. Josiah Gray looks really exciting. Um, you know, I think he's, he's legit. He's going to be a really fun kid to have on the team. And, you know, there's still a whole lot more para than I, I, I could do with a lot less of, of para on the team. I feel like you've got all these young guys, like, let's just let them play and, you know, not... <laughs> not waste playing time on guys that don't need to be playing, especially since it, it almost feels to me like they're trying to not trying to lose. That's the wrong way to put it, but they don't care at all if they lose at this point. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a good draft pick this year. It's still hard to watch them lose, but I feel no, um, I, I don't get angry about it, which is a funny feeling because for so long they've been in contention and every year it's been, you know, they're trying to get to the playoffs and now that they're not, it's, it's kind of relaxing. Yeah. It's all about adjusted expectations and uh pressure-free baseball. Mm-hmm. Pressure-free baseball indeed. So uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely an adjustment, I think for the whole fan base to get ready to just um, be, be, the, be a fan of a team that's not trying to win. And, and that's, you know, it's not fun exactly, but it's not, not fun either. It's got its, it's got its charms, especially getting to get a look at the guys. And, you know, a lot of the young guys seem like they've really, um, they've really, the, the lack of pressure seems to really be benefiting a lot of the younger guys. Keyboom particularly comes to mind. For sure. But we can get into that a little bit more in the Nats bat. Before we do, why don't we do our quick pitch, which is who is the leader for National League MVP? Man. So MVP is kind of wide open right now because Jacob DeGrom has a setback. So he's out. Tatis is hurt again, facing season ending surgery. He's out. Trey Turner has been traded and no one in the history of the league has ever won MVP when they've been traded. So Trey Turner's out. So you're kind of like, who is it? And honestly, as of right now, it's Bryce Harper. Like people are like going to get upset when they hear that, but it really is Bryce. And the fact that the Phillies just now made this push to get to first place, if they continue on that, it's the Phillies, it's Bryce Harper. We all know at some point the Phillies are going to crash back down like they always do, and Bryce is going to go cold again. But if he, at this moment, Bryce is MVP. Like, he has a 160 WRC+. plus. Um, he's fourth in the league in um, OPS. He doesn't have that many RBIs, but that's more because the Phillies suck. Um, he has the least amount of uh, plate appearances with runners in scoring position for people with 16 plus home runs, which is one of my favorite stats I've seen this year because they're in first place. So the Phillies absolutely reek. But that's besides the point. But yeah, I mean, with all the injuries as of right now, like it's Bryce. That's an interesting one. He's uh, definitely on the list. Yeah, I think Bryce, the one struggle he's going to have is. Um, RBIs and that's not RBIs are a team stat. We, we've talked about that. That's not the, the point of bringing up. Just we know we know the voters. We know the people voting. We'll just leave it at that. They like to see RBIs. They like to see a high batting average when really, you know, something like OPS is much more valuable than RBIs or batting average. We know this. We're, we're smart baseball people. We know this, right? But in his efforts to, you know, get a second MVP, 
he might need to pad those stats a little bit. And granted, he'd much rather, I'm sure, make the playoffs than win MVP. But just for the sake of this conversation, that's one thing working against him, um, so to speak. I think, um, you know, I looked at the standings today. And obviously, the, the Phillies being in first and having a two-game lead is new um, in terms of so the, the, the shape of the NL East. The Braves are slowly sort of getting back into it, but they don't have a like Freddie Freeman's not doing uh, anything to repeat as MVP. Obviously, Acuna's out, like Ryan said. So that pretty much takes away the East. The West, I, I don't see anyone on the Dodgers doing it. The Dodgers are just such a well-rounded team. I don't think, at least in the pure sense of MVP, that anyone's there. Maybe Max Muncie. He seems to have been the most consistent all the way through. But again, I wouldn't say... The argument against the Dodgers is always, well, if someone goes down, they have another guy to plug in and they're going to keep on trucking, like, whatever. That That's not really MVP status in my mind. Um, and then Giants, again, they don't have that one position player that's really uh, carrying them. Not that MVP needs to carry them, but certainly that's part of the argument. And Padres, that, uh, you know, argument kind of goes out the door with, with Tati. So that brings me to the central long window way of saying the central, the reds are sneakily right there. And we kind of just, you know, brush them aside because the central was seemed to be just the brewers and the Cardinals weren't competing. The reds are two and a half out. If the reds can sneak, if they can backdoor a playoff spot, if they can make a late season push, I think Nick Cassianos is kind of a dark horse for that award. Uh, I know he's been injured a little bit this year, but he's performing at a very high level. And, you know, it really comes down to health and team performance. So whichever the Phillies and Reds kind of do better down the stretch, and obviously between Bryce and Castellanos, who does better down the stretch, that might determine who wins MVP. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I My dark horse was Max Muncy, I think. He's having a really, really good season, but like you said, it's hard on the Dodgers to get any, um, you know, to get any shine because they just have so many, so many guys and everybody kind of pulls their weight. Nobody really feels like they carry them. Um, but I think my pick, I'm going to go Trey Turner, even though, as you pointed out, Ryan, nobody's ever won it when they got traded. I think that Turner is easily one of the best position players in baseball and he doesn't get a lot of attention here he didn't get a lot of attention here for whatever reason i mean small market we go it's a whole nother conversation but he's going to get a whole hell of a lot of attention on the dodgers and i think the rest of the country is going to start paying attention to how good trey turner is and i think i, I think juan soto could have had that opportunity had we not traded everybody away but now he doesn't have any anybody to hit with in the lineup but um he's really rounded into form as well and I, but I've had to pick. There's a lot of good candidates. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go Turner. I think. I mean, granted, I don't have the list of everyone who's been traded that was in the, a legitimate MVP candidate, but certainly Trey Turner has a legitimate case on his own, mm-hmm. and the I don't think the trade should impact him too much. So I hope he gets some attention. Certainly, now that he's playing for the Dodgers, he will get some attention. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess we will see what happens. It's going to be interesting down the stretch. Things are changing. I mean, obviously the Nats are out of it. Not that they were particularly in it before, but they're not even trying anymore. The Phillies are suddenly in first place, which I did not see coming. 
Um, and Harper's definitely putting together a good, a good stretch. Although we've seen this many times when he was with the Nats with Harper is he has hot and cold stretches. So it'll just depend on how well he can maintain it, I suppose, but he certainly is in that conversation. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on around baseball, Ryan. Will you regale us with your weekend review? It is another fascinating week in major league baseball. We start off with Ramon Laureano is suspended 80 games for testing positive for a banned substance. It will be, I mean, it will be, excuse me. USA takes home silver in the Olympics. They lost the gold medal game. Omar Vizquel is being sued by the former Birmingham Barons bat boy over alleged sexual harassment. Former national Brock Holt throws the slowest called strike in MLB history. The pitch came in at a whopping 31.3 miles per hour. The Field of Dreams game is finally here this week. Yankees and the White Sox will meet at the temporary field in the middle of the corn. They also special old-time jerseys. That is finally this week after the seven years they announced it. Red Sox GM took a shot at the Yankees at the deadline. They've lost 10 of the last 13 since those comments were made. As their pitching continues to fall apart, and they're just one game above the Blue Jays and the Yankees in the loss column. Meanwhile, the Yankees, who the Red Sox GM made a comment about, have won 10 of the last 13 games, and Anthony Rizzo has been leading the Yankees' offense resurgence. Unfortunately, he tested positive for COVID, which is a massive blow to their offense. The Reds' well play continues as they are just two games back of the Padres for the second wildcard spot. The Padres are extremely vulnerable without Fernando Tatis Jr. To the NL East, in fifth place are the 47 and 65 Marlins. They got swept by the Rockies as their pitching continued to adjust to the altitude. Up next for them are also the struggling Padres. In fourth are the 50 and 62 Nats. More of them in a second. And third are the 56 and 55 Mets. They got swept by the Phillies. They're two and eight in their last 10. Only one starting pitcher has gone into the sixth inning in their last 16 games. They have not had a starting pitcher win a game since before the deadline. Baez left the game with what appears to be a strained oblique, and the Mets are in their full-blown collapse. In second place are the 57 and 55 Braves. They took two or three from the Nats. Freddie Freeman leaves the game with an upper respiratory infection. Jorge Soler and Richard Rodriguez make dividend in this weekend as the Braves now have new life. In first place are the 59 and 53 Phillies. For the first time in 90 days, it is not the Mets in first place in NLEs. The Phillies have won eight games in a row. Zach Wheeler went complete game shutout, and they have a two-game lead over the Braves. They look to continue their hot streak against the red-hot Dodgers in Philly. This has been your week in review, and make sure you guys head on over to T Public and search Half Street High Heat for all of our latest merchandise, swag, and everything else that we have. We have new designs coming out all the time, and you guys can get yourself whatever you like with our designs on it. This has been your week in review. Yeah, I mean, kind of just like I, like I said before, the NL East is completely, I don't want to say taking shape, but retaking shape, I guess. It I was thought you were going to say Ma- garbage. The NL East is well, completely garbage. I mean, that that's <laughs> always been true, but... Um, it was the Mets division to lose and granted they're, they're not healthy, but what team is right. So it was their division to lose and they're, they are losing it. The Phillies have won eight in a row, but when four of those are against the Nets, how much does it really count? Yeah. The Nats are now where the other teams in the division go to stack up wins. 
Exactly. Not a very fun place to be, but here we are. So let's talk about our Nationals. Uh, they dropped, they got swept by the Phillies and then dropped two of three to the Braves. Um, let's talk first about Robles at leadoff. I'm Robles, man. Um, so laughing <laughs> <laughs> the like, proper response. It's just like, this season in the leadoff, he's batting 167, 308, 278. That's a 585 OPS. His BABIP is 205. His WRC is 6. His WRC plus is 68. League average is 100. It's just not It's just not clicking for him there. Like, I just don't really get it. Like, yes, that is a smaller sample size. Um, he did have a RBI in the Sunday finale against the Braves, but like, it's just not clicking, but they have to keep riding it. They have to keep him there the rest of the year and figure out, is it going to click at some point? Cause right, right now it's not. Yeah. I'd say that's a fair assessment. Not clicking is actually kind of a generous assessment. Yeah. Uh, I've, their lineup construction has confused me a couple of times. And just because I am no longer Criticizing Rizzo doesn't mean I'm no longer criticizing Davey. Davey still has a job mm-hmm. to do to, you know, build momentum going forward. CK put out uh, just kind of a feeler uh, around the deadline saying, is Davey the the guy you want to be in charge of rebuild? I'm actually on the, the, the opinion of yes for a couple of reasons. One being he, he's been there. He, he's the incumbent. So anything new would be such a change and a shift that isn't always a good thing. Um, two, he's won a world series. So he commands respect and three, he is kind of a glue guy and he is capable of getting guys to play for him. And that that's not uh, something you can just gloss over, but he still has a job to do. Like I said, and putting guys in positions to succeed is obviously a huge part of that. I'm fine with writing out Robles um, as the the leadoff guy because, like Brian said, you got to see if it clicks at some point. And we're going to be able to expand upon this sample size to make it statistically significant or whatever you want to – however you want to put it um, to where you finally get a good sample size on can Robles be a leadoff hitter at at this level. However – when Robles is out of the lineup, which it still seems like he's in sort of a platoon, which baffles me, um, give someone else a shot, right? There, there's no point of hitting Andrew Stevenson leadoff. It does nothing for you. Put Luis Garcia, who's been struggling in his own right, he was mashing at AAA as a leadoff guy. Put him at leadoff. See, just see what happens. Just because Robles hasn't been able to do it doesn't mean no one else will be able to do it and there's no point of putting uh, Andrew Stevenson one and Alcides Escobar too when neither of those guys are the future of your team and Amanda like you said earlier there's no point of playing Gerardo Parra at all his role should not have changed at all he should be playing once every fifth day or something a fifth game something like that or if not that, at all. I mean, or just not at all, but I just mean in terms of this team as currently constructed without any moves being made, he should not be getting more playing time. It just, it doesn't make sense. 
you got to see what these young guys have. And right now he's not doing it. And just my last point on Robles, uh, granted, Soto has been injured, but if Robles is hitting one, hit Soto too. Just see, see if that helps Robles. Like he's never been able to do that before. Alcides Escobar is not a two hole hitter. Put, no. put Soto too, like we've been saying all season, and see if that helps Robles. If not, then move on. Right. And it gets Soto more at bats, which is not a bad thing. Yep. Yeah. I struggle with a lot of this. It's to me, I don't really see why they're giving any of the guys you pointed out, Escobar and obviously Para. Like these guys are not, these aren't the future of your team. So why are you? I don't know. I would just be basically playing all the young guys right now, getting them as much action as I could at the major league level. So they're seeing major league pitching, you know, getting a feel for how the game, you know, how the game moves at this level and, you know, has the upside of losing as a lot of games, which, you know, in a season like this, you know, let's get a good draft pick. <laughs> I don't know. I, like you said, I find myself feeling baffled a lot of the time by the lineup construction. And I agree with you though, on Davey, I think I was, frequently frustrated with the decisions he made because I would think, you know, this team's trying to win. I didn't like the lineup construction. Sometimes didn't like the in-game management decisions, especially bullpen management at times, but you're right. He is a glue guy. And I think he's the kind of guy who can be really um, encouraging and really a really good fit for a team full of young guys who are learning how to be major leaguers. So I, I think this is actually going to be a really good spot for him. And we do know that he can all, you know, he's won a world series. So it's not like he can't manage a team. That's good. That's not what I'm saying. I just mean, you know, I think for a team full of young guys who lack a lot of confidence at this level, I think the, the steadiness of Dave Martinez, the way he's kind of the same day in day out, no matter what's going on, I think that can be a really good thing. Agreed. Okay. Uh, let's move away from Robles a little bit. You mentioned Soto's dealing with a knee injury. Doesn't seem like the uh, the vibe from the team is that it's anything particularly serious. Well, <laughs> so the the vibe from the team we've 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 heard that a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Remember Rendon's every, oblique? Oh my god! <laughs> <In spring Every's, laughs> this this Strauss one wasn't even supposed to be that that bad, and here we are. But what what's concerning so he he did pinch hit sunday i think the issue is running and the reason why i think that is because he said he felt a little bit of tightness when he was running so it seems like he could hit right now he just can't run um the unfortunate thing with that is these lineups are really really ugly without him i would just sit him for a couple of days just maybe put him on the IL, just let him relax, drain it if you have to. Like, don't really risk it because you're not playing for much besides a draft pick and like letting Garcia and Keyboom shine. Just take it easy as hell with him. Like, mm -hmm. just take it easy, put him on the IL, don't push him at all and don't risk anything. You know, a mental break for him might be nice too after everything that's just happened. He's made some comments about how difficult all of this is for him to deal with. with the way they just broke it all down. So it probably wouldn't be a bad thing for him to have a break. Yeah, that was, that was concerning. Cause he basically was kind of like hinting at like, well, that's a lot of pressure. I, I need someone in that organization be like, Hey, Juan, um, it's not pressure. We're not playing really anything for right now. The season's lost. Cause the way he was talking about it, he was like kind of a little spooked about how much pressure was going to be on him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just that he's way too important to this team 
they have to take it easy with this knee. I know like he's still pinch hitting and they're not concerned about it, but I really like to see him get a couple of days just to relax and rest. That's a good idea. What are your thoughts, Nick? I completely agree. Uh, Those comments, I don't think were entirely surprising. He's, how is he still 22? He's 22 years old. He's barely, a lot of guys aren't even in the bigs yet at his age. Yeah. Like we herald Juan Soto for what he's able to do at such a young age, but we still need to realize that he's a young age. He's still coming into his own. We might not have even seen the best of Juan Soto yet. And that's an exciting prospect, but we also need to allow him room to grow without um, smothering him with expectations. Yes, we expect him to be the leader of this team going forward. Obviously, he's kind of the only guy left, especially positionally. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. It was Juan Soto's team, but he also had Trey Turner. He had Max Scherzer. He had other guys around him, which is why I believe I ended it with last episode. um, My one big thing. I really want them to go get another building block in this upcoming offseason. One, it's just super deep at shortstop, and that's obviously a area of need now. So you can address that, but also it's going to help Juan because he's not going to feel like he has to do it all himself. We know he's capable of doing it all himself. He's one of the best players on the planet, but it would be nice if he doesn't have to. We talked about that coming into the season. Like Juan Soto can't be the only thing going for your lineup, but Juan Soto can't be the only thing going for your team either. You need you need to have other guys around him to kind of take that pressure off, but it, it's not – uh, unnatural for him to feel this way and I agree with Ryan I, I think an IL stint even if it's just something minor that he could probably just work through there's no need at this point just give right. him an IL give, why, give him a break. why make him work through it exactly there's absolutely and plus he, no point he didn't get to take the all-star break off because he was in the all-star game so he hasn't really had a break yet give him a break no nothing wrong with that yeah, I think that's a really good idea I wonder if we're going to see that in the next couple of days um, I, I just have such an immense respect for Soto, not only because of what he does on the field, obviously he's a generational talent, but just, you know, his honesty with the way he was feeling after all of that is so refreshing. <laughs> you know, it, it's obviously it's been hard on the fan base, but I don't think we take enough time to think about how hard it must be on the other players and the players themselves who get traded and the other players around them. And for Soto, who's so young and essentially just got the mantle of like team savior dumped on him. I'm sure it's just a whole lot for him to deal with. And uh, yeah, I'd I'd love to see him get a little physical and mental break, but he's, he's an extraordinary, he's an extraordinary player and an extraordinary person. I I know he's going to be fine with it, but it's good. You know, giving him a little bit of time to process what just happened is, is a good thing, I think. So we'll see what happens. It also, uh, helps that we have an even better right fielder on the roster and that's Josh Bell <laughs> right Josh Bell playing right field what are your thoughts gentlemen I didn't realize he had actually played outfield before in his major league career I didn't he played in 2016 granted that was five years ago at this point but he has been put out there before I didn't watch the game today so I didn't really see how he moved but I could tell by the reaction on Twitter that no news was kind of good news in that regard. And, you know, we, we knew this was a possibility. Davey hinted at uh, putting Josh Bell and Ryan Zimmerman in the lineup. And when you have Soto out, sometimes that's going to be a necessity. 
I don't think this is going to be an everyday thing. I don't think Josh Bell is going to be an outfielder for the rest of the season or anything like that. But we knew this might be coming in with Soto out. Might as well see, you know, what this lineup can do uh, when it's constructed to put your best offense forward, not necessarily your best defense. Absolutely. Ryan, how about you? I mean, let's get weird. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Basically. It's it's not ideal, but let's get freaking weird, baby. Let it ride. I'm for it. And it gets both Zim and Bell into the lineup, which yeah, okay, that's not saying much, but well, right, but I mean, (laughs) you know, we're not working from we're not working from a high starting point here. (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely a little bit strange, but the versatility is a good thing, you know, being able to have obviously you don't want Bell playing in the outfield a lot but the the fact that he can in a pinch is definitely a good thing because i think josh bell is a guy that is going to be around this team for a while so it's always good to have a little a little versatility in your position players okay let's talk about the prospect we picked up about whom i am the most excited and that is josiah gray josiah gray let me let me talk about this guy um so in his start against and in, in his start against the Braves, he went five innings, gave up four hits, two runs, one of them earned. He walked two. He struck out 10 in five innings, and he had two ground ball outs through 82 pitches. Um, he had 20 swings and misses, which is the second most for the Nationals this year. Max Scherzer had more than that, I think, three times. Joe Ross had more than that once. Um, they had 21, I believe. So he was getting swings and misses a lot. Also, he had a 80% swing and miss rate on his curveball. That is the highest swing and miss rate on a curveball in baseball this year when the pitcher is throwing at least 10 of them. So he was getting them to whiff all day. He's getting a lot of pop-ups. That was a very concerning trend in the minor leagues. He's given up a home run in all four of his starts. His major league debut, he gave up three. He gives up a lot of pop-ups, but that's because he's challenging guys. You can get away with that. Max Scherzer gives up a lot of home runs because he challenges guys. Patrick Corbin gives up a lot of home runs because he sucks. There's a difference. He challenges guys. And I like it. I am ecstatic about what we're seeing from him. That's two divisional rivals he did this against that like have pretty good lineups. The Phillies lineup is deep. The Braves lineup is good, even without Acuna. And he's looked great in it. You know, he only had two strikeouts against the Phillies. People are like, oh, he's not a strikeout guy. He comes back and strikes out 10, and I love it. Yeah, it looks great. It's exactly (laughs) what we wanted to see. And, um, you know, after his his debut with the Nats, we talked about how maybe it wasn't the exact profile we uh, received at the time of the trade, but it was still a good debut. Obviously, he got through five, only gave up one, but only struck out two. And now you get through five, only give up one or one earned, and then you strike out 10. So that's more of the, the profile we, we got from him or about him was that the, the swing and miss stuff was there. So I think this is really opening eyes uh, around um, I am sure, certainly the league, but the fan base as well, that this kid is legit and he could be a very big piece for us going forward. And it was very important to get someone of this caliber in that trade because it's very rare you get major league talent in a return package, right? Usually it's prospects that won't pan out for 
two or three years down the road. And here we are having really two guys that are major league ready. Uh, Kiba Ruiz is in AAA so we can play every day. Ryan and I talked about that last episode, but to get two guys that are major league ready, that's going to really speed up this retool um, process, whatever they decide to do in the off season. Hopefully these two guys are uh, answers to some of the, the issues you might, you might've had on your roster. Yeah, he's, uh, it was such a great outing against the Braves. I, I, you know, the first one, obviously not a lot of strikeouts, but again, you know, it was one, his one start. And after joining a new team, I'm sure he had the jitters. Um, but yeah, I was extremely impressed. I, I, I'm, I have really high expectations for this guy. We've had such trouble developing pitchers in this organization that I actually feel like if we ever want to get good young pitchers, they're going to come via trade. They're not going to come out of our organization. I hope that changes at some point, but just the history is we have not been developing a lot. And we've got a couple of really good pitchers down, you know, we've got Cavalli, we've got Rutledge, like we've got some guys that we're hoping are going to develop into something, but I'm, I'm wary of guys coming up through our system. So I'm, I'm really excited to have gotten a really good young pitching prospect. Um, obviously we traded a hell of a lot to get him. So hopefully he, he proves to be worthy of, you know, what, what they traded him for, but I'm quite excited. And as you know, nationals legend, Max Scherzer likes to say strikeouts are sexy. So 10 strikeouts is a fun one. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Let's go the opposite direction to pitching. We're not enjoying and talk about Patrick Corbin. Yeah. Like, like I said, Max Scherzer has given up home runs in his career because he's challenging people because he's good. Patrick Corbin gives him up because he stinks. He's given up the second most home runs in baseball since the start of last year. He got in home run trouble again today. He went six innings, five hits, five runs. It seems like with every single one of his starts, he goes one inning too long. Yeah. Every single time he starts off fine lately. And then he gets to like the fifth, sixth, or the seventh thing, like we saw against the Phillies, and the wheels just fall off. I, I, just, I don't know what it is. He's starting really well lately, but he can't finish. And beginning of the season, he would start horribly and finish well. Now it's a complete reverse, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what's the answer? I don't even know. What today do you was do? Today was really weird, though. And, uh, Ryan, I do think you're onto something, but this was kind of – the outlier, so to speak, he got through five innings on 46 pitches. So it's like, you're not going to pull him going into the six. So this one, I understand, but it does seem like, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, he's in there one inning too long. I, I don't have an answer as to why, obviously he's been able to pitch deep in games before. So I don't know why there's that, that mental block now, maybe it's just, he's getting through the third time in the lineup now, and that's where he's really starting to get hit or whatever it may be. Obviously, that's the same problem we just talked about. Joe Ross, Eric Fetty can't even get through the lineup two times. So I guess it's sort of progress if you can kind of just figure out the timing of when to pull him. But again, that requires good. You shouldn't have to that, pull him after two times. Through that one. requires good managerial decisions. And we kind of know Davey doesn't really know when to to kind of pull the trigger and make those decisions. I mean, shoot, I, I think Max Scherzer might've scared him out of pulling a guy for the rest of his career. So like ever pulling any guy 
so Corbin now has the highest ERA amongst qualified pitchers him and John Lester were flirting with that title for a while Eric Fetty not qualified would have the second highest he's qualified so Patrick Corbin now owns the highest ERA amongst qualified pitchers and what is that right now um shoot I, I, I literally just had it in front of me now I lost it oh fair enough yeah sorry so you're you're saying Patrick Corbin is first and that's yes. you know contract is worth it. one look if you're contract not is worth if it. you're not worse you're um, if you're not first you're last but like uh-huh. they ask Zim about his struggles don't know why you're asking Ryan Zimmerman Ryan Zimmerman's oh, not a pitching bad. coach and his quote was very interesting he goes quote I think a lot of people forget he was for lack of better words, abused in 2019 in the playoff run. He did things that he's never done done before for us to win that World Series. I don't like that quote. No, I don't like it either. Because one, he pitched 23.1 innings. Yes, he came out of relief, but so did Max Scherzer and so did Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg pitched 36 innings. If you wanted to say, you know what, they abused Steven Strasburg at that World Series, I could probably live with that. That was a lot of innings for Strauss, but he only pitched 23 innings and it was two years ago. Right. That's it, the part that was getting me. I'm it was sorry. Two years Are ago. we talking about 2019? It is August oh my God. 2021 right now. If, if Ryan Zimmerman was like, you know, he lost his groove in the shutdown. He hasn't gotten it back yet. That really threw him off that I would have been like, okay, that's a completely different story because we're still seeing ramifications today from that shutdown. We're seeing it through injuries. Some guys, you know, had really bad starts this season. Some guys were off last year. If he said the shutdown messed him up, I would, I would have been like, okay, hit a favorite on the tweet and moved on and never brought it up. But the fact that he said he was abused in the 2019 playoff run for throwing 23 innings, that, uh, that, that doesn't sit right with me. No, definitely not. And uh, I, I just don't get that mindset. And I can't, I don't even believe that Ryan Zimmerman actually believes that. I think he just got put on the spot by a question and had to say something, but I'll bet he'd take it back if he could. Cause that is just, I don't know. I can't get my head around that one. I mean, Corbin's been in his, I did pull up some stats in his last five starts. His ERA is 7.22, 7.22 ERA in his last five starts. And he's allowed 27 homers, which is the most in the national league. So those last five starts, he's 0 and 4. I mean, he is getting paid a lot of money. If you can't recover from 23 innings thrown a year and a half or two years ago, then I don't know what to tell you. It just, <laughs> I get it. Ryan's have been trying to stick up for his teammate, but that's just think about what you're saying. Last year, no. Corbin pitched like 60 innings. That completely negates any sort of. Uh, it certainly was not abuse. Just forget about that word. But let's say overuse or you know, like with Strauss, I, I made the point to Ryan earlier. Like Strauss pitched 36 innings in the World Series, so that, that you know, give or take six starts, six extra starts to what he would normally do and with Strauss in particular that was his really the most he's pitched in a season in recent memory so you're adding six starts to what was already his longest um, stretch of being healthy or the amount of starts he's made that's a lot and you could argue that has played more of an impact on his uh, what happened to him after uh, the world series than what Corbin <laughs> had to go through and what has happened to him. It just, there, it's just not abuse. It was no overuse. He should be fine now. 
the reason he's struggling is because he's just not good. He's not good right now. I'm not saying he, he won't be good again, but he's just not good right now. There's no two ways around it. You can make any excuse you want. If you're not good, you're not good. Yeah, it's definitely, he's, something's going on with him. I hope he can figure it out because we know what he can do when he's got that wipeout slider working, but it is not working right now. Okay, let's talk about best friend of the podcast, Ryan Harper. What a season. And no one's really talking about it. So this season he's made an appearance in 17 games. He has 21 innings pitch, 16 strikeouts, a 0.76 whip, and a 0.86 ERA. He comes in, he throws about 30, 70 mile per hour curveballs. No one hits it and he goes home. Like no one's really talking about it. He was atrocious last year. His ERA plus this year is 457. League average is 100. And this is 457. Like, that's absurd. That's how effective he's been. Now, that is a very small sample size, 21 innings. So look at ERA plus, but he's been fantastic this year. Like, his strikeouts per nine is 6.9. Very nice. He's having a great year. And like, especially when we've seen a lot of turbulence in this bullpen, the guys are kind of figuring out. Ryan Harper, surprisingly, he's been a rock. Yeah. I love curveballs. They're my favorite pitch. And his is awfully, awfully pretty. Yeah, I mean, he was, it was a small sample size, but he's been effective all season long. Even when he was getting called up, sent down, called up, sent down. He was always effective. It's just when everyone is healthy, he didn't really have a spot. But now he's kind of getting a chance to prove himself. And not only that, but kind of prove himself in important high leverage situations, which I think he, he deserves. It doesn't have to be, you know, 97 out of the pen. Obviously, that's nice, but there's plenty of ways to get it done. And mm-hmm. Ryan Harper's showing us that. So I'm all for it. You know, let's get weird. Like Ryan said. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked a lot about the young guys in the position players um, side of things, but you know, he, him getting a regular bullpen spot is huge because, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to try to tank and be in a real rebuild situation because they've only got a few years left of, of uh, Soto. So they're going to want to compete again, if not next year, then at least the year after that. And I think Harper can be, a really big part of that. So this, this experience he's getting in these high leverage situations is huge in a year where, as we've discussed earlier, there's really no pressure. All right. So that brings an end to the Nets, that section of Nets bet. Let's talk about the next series, which is going to be the Mets. So I was looking at this a week ago thinking, oh, wow, they're, they're going to be in first place. This is going to be, you know, first place versus potentially last place the way they're playing. I mean, the Marlins are still below the Nats right now, but no guarantee that's going to stay that way. Um, the Mets are in, as you mentioned in your weekend review, in a full-on meltdown fall-apart mode. What are you guys thinking yeah. is going to happen <laughs> in this series? Um, the Mets stink. Like, there's, like, there's really no other way to look at. Their offense is abysmal right now. They have a little bit of beef, it appears, because Marcus Stroman took to Twitter and was publicly – retweeting and liking stuff talking about how bad the offense has been how many losses he has where he's given up two runs or less jacob de was silently pushing him on like yes please someone needs to talk about this i'm sick and tired of it they are not playing good baseball at all literally i like i don't know i don't know how else to say it like if you look at the pitching matchups we got espino versus crasso you got ross versus hill and you got fetty versus stroman stroman is pitching very well he's probably the only person in the rotation that is pitching someone at a major league level but their offense reeks like they hit 
back-to-back-to-back home runs against the Phillies in the ninth inning, but like they didn't score until that point. And then they got two-hit complete game shutout against Zach Wheeler. Their offense is struggling. They're routinely scoring three runs or less. Like the Nats can really play spoiler this series and put them in an even much deeper hole and even more of a free fall. Their owner, Steve Cohen, had to have a team meeting with them, tweeting about how they're all in good spirits. They got shut out two hits. So that really didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has to be what well, doesn't have to be like nothing really matters anymore. But this is a really good series for them to play. Spoiler, I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna they be could, fun. They could really. I won't say bury, but they can certainly dampen the the playoff hopes with the Mets. Um, and if the Mets continue to struggle, like if the Nats sink them down even further, the Phillies stay hot, the Braves stay hot. Now the Mets are looking at being down, what, five games at least. They've been up. They've been maintaining the two-game lead, and they haven't increase that two game lead upon the Nats, the Braves, the Phillies at all. They've just been fortunate of other teams' misfortunes and injuries and whatnot. They've been staying afloat. They've never had to come from behind. So if the Nats can really take advantage of a, a poor playing Mets team right now, they they can they absolutely can play spoiler and I'd like to see it. I would also like to see it. I am a petulant brat and there's nothing I like more than taking other people down with us. So I would enjoy very much if we could win at least two, if not a sweep would be fun, but if we could win two out of this series, it would be a lot of fun to see. You know what else got spoiled? What's that? Uh, I guess our view of the learner's abilities to extend homegrown players. Did we have any thoughts well, about we had that, that hope could be spoiled? <laughs> because after after the deadline, they're like, all right, we well maybe now we're turning to Juan Soto, turning the attention to Juan Soto. So mm-hmm. uh, we, nope. we let ourselves get hope again, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's not the case. Yeah, Trey Turner made some comments. Um, basically, you know, there's been all this talk about how the they've been trying to talk to him, but he, you know, the just just nothing even concrete, but just like this kind of. Um, general feeling that, you know, he's not going to play ball with the Nats and he wants too much money. And that's just kind of been the narrative for no, for no, no real reason. There hasn't been any concrete evidence of that. And then Turner came out after the trade just in the last couple of days and basically said the Nats never talked to him. He thought he was going to play 20 years for the Nats. You know, first I thought I was going to play 20 years for the Padres. And I thought I was going to play 20 years for the Nats and they didn't even talk to me. And, you know, basically I wanted to be there and, they didn't ever give me the opportunity and it's really, really hard to take. So I don't really think this is as much of a story as people making out to be just because they're upset. Players are always going to say things. Um, It's interesting because it was basically confirmed that the Nats didn't come to Trey after they made the offer in 2020 to begin 2020 Trey did not counter. Um, so I think there's probably some hurt feelings there at the offer. The offer came out to be six years, hundred million as that was leaked at the time that was fine, but there is a concern, not concern. There is a trend here with players who are making comments once they leave the Nats about how they've gone about contract extensions. But the thing here is, especially with Trey, it just like, 
he played himself out of the Nationals budget, especially where there are this franchise. Trading him made sense. It's not that much of a story. The Nationals realized that, like, hey, we're not going to be able to logistically pay a 30-year-old this much money as he's going to want to want where we are as a franchise. And they moved on. It's a right business move. It happens. People are going to be upset. He's now getting standing ovations in front of 60,000 people in Southern California. He'll be okay. I don't think this is nearly as big of a story as people are making it out to be, but there is a trend here that might become a little concerning. Yeah, yeah I think it, it's concerning in the way it reflects on what's likely to happen with Juan Soto more than anything. If this was a, a one-time thing, would be that concerned. But yeah, like Brian said, there, there's a track record of it, obviously of letting homegrown stars specifically position players go it's like how like how how long can this go on before we really start to lose faith uh, granted we already did lose faith but you know, you know what i'm saying and obviously the, these comments don't help uh i don't think it was the worst decision in the world to move on from trey turner not necessarily saying he's a bad player but with what he's gonna want and what the market's looking like uh, for shortstops and the availability of uh, who's on, going to be on the market this offseason just made sense to move on for, from him. So if they respond by locking up one of those guys long-term, eh, doesn't matter to me. They made the, the correct business decision, business decision in that regard. But if they don't respond, well, yeah, then we have a problem. Because Luis Garcia, as much as I'm rooting for him, he's never going to be a trade turner. No. No, he's not. But I actually do agree with you there as much as I love Trey Turner. And this is tough to hear because you want to keep the guys you've grown to really enjoy watching over the years. It does make really good sense. If you can, if you can pay the same amount to a different shortstop, who's going to give you similar production and you could get a hall of prospects at the same time, it's, it's, it would almost be malpractice not to do that. And it's not something that Nats fans want to hear right now, but you know, getting someone who's, at the same level or nearly the same level as Trey Turner for a similar amount of money, maybe for fewer years, but with a similar AAV and also the prospects we got in that trade, it it's a smart thing to do. You have to look to the future. And Rizzo's job isn't to placate the fan base by you know making bad contracts with players they love. I'm Steven Strasburg, anybody? Um, I, I'd rather see them make the difficult, more mercenary feeling decisions that are going to lead to where we want to be in the future. That's what they need to do. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that'll do it for Nat's fat. We're going to have a fun draft to talk about, but before we do, Nick, could you give us a message from our sponsor? Absolutely. Fellas, our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below the waist grooming want you to take care of yourself with only the best. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is the GOAT technology for the greatest balls of all time. Those are yours. Those are yours, by the way, just in case you didn't know. I'm reassuring you here. When you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them, so there's no reason you shouldn't either. Join the movement with our exclusive offer by using promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. You can get the Lawnmower 4.0, the GOAT technology for the GOAT balls, but you can also get a ton of other products, tinctures, swag, gear, whatever 
they have it all. And I have it all now too. And I love it all. It's awesome. So I highly suggest you do that. So go to Manscaped. Use our promo code HSHH20. It'll save you 20% off and get you some free shipping too. We all know that shipping can make a difference, but you don't have to worry about that because you get it for free. So do that, save yourself some money and get some great technology in the meantime. Step up your game. Yes, indeed. That is good advice. All right, Ryan, are you going to tell us about this draft we're doing? Um, yes. I am. Oh, I thought this was your idea. Nick was the no, it was Nick's idea. Oh, okay, sorry. You're usually the one who comes up with the uh, the draft ideas. So, I uh, it was well, be. give me some credit, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I came up with the idea that since we are in a retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. We should uh, rebuild some other things going on with the Nats organization. Let's uh, take this opportunity since we're under, undergoing this huge franchise makeover. Let's uh, let's redo some things the right way. And so we're going to do a draft. It's only going to be three rounds. We're going to see how it goes. But we could each replace one existing thing. Could be something on the team. Could be something about Nats Park. Could be whatever. Whatever you want it to be. All right. Simple enough. It's a pretty open-ended draft. So I don't think we're going to have any overlap, but we'll see how it goes. So I have my random number generator and Ryan has first pick. I got second pick. So Amanda goes Ah, first pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ryan. All right. So things that need to be rebuilt within the Nationals organization, it starts and ends with Masson. Masson sucks. I hate them. They haven't updated graphics since 2005. Their graphics, like in game, just basically to scream. Like graphic design is my passion. Um, get rid of Masson. <laughs> Masson's gone. Get a TV deal with someone else has nicer, nicer graphics. Get rid of Bob and FP. I kind of think the Nats are kind of like pushing Bob to retire. Anyways, he's not doing very well with the whole call from on the road thing. Um. But give it to Masson. Like Masson stinks. So I'm starting and ending with Masson, leaving them, signing a contract with, I don't know, Bali Sports DC. I just <laughs> created that right now. We're bringing Bali Sports DC to the DMV. And that's who our new presentation is with new commentators and brand new, lovely graphic package. And I feel like we could do a lot with talking about Bali and packages. Like I feel like Manscaped could really be worked in there with some. There you go. Now we're yeah. thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to, this is normally when we're drafting, we're going head to head, but I feel like this is a draft where we're all kind of working together. Um, so just to piggyback off Ryan's idea, officially replace Bob and FP with Charlie and Dave and then sign Pete Medhurst to do the radio. And I think we're oh, a huge, huge step forward. Um, and like I said, we're all working together. So I can always count on my guy, Ryan, to uh, make the correct pick. So my first pick in, it has to be done, okay? Maybe it's not the uh, number two priority behind Masson, but it is a priority, and it needs to be done, and I won't rest until it is done. Get rid of the goddamn Wu chant. Yeah, the Wu chant sucks. <laughs> the Wu chant is so terrible. You it just boils down to you can't you're not original enough to create your own idea 
It's so bad. Get rid of the woo woo chant. I've talked about it enough. I'm tired of hearing it. It's it's yeah, terrible. Every time we talk about anything about Nats Park or anything, you're always always it's terrible about that. I know. I it's know terrible. how much you hate it. <laughs> All right, Amanda, All right. your pick. I'm going to go more to an on the field one here. And I actually touched on this earlier in one of our other conversations, which is the pitching development staff. I don't know what it is about this organization that they have never been able, other than Stephen Strasburg, who was pretty much going to, I mean, he was a phenom and was going to be good no matter what they did with him. Um, they can't develop pitchers. I don't understand it. They screw them up or they don't reach their potential with this club. And then they go somewhere else and they just are, go somewhere else to be great. And I would like to see a complete and total teardown and rebuild of their, I don't know if it's their scouts, whoever is involved in drafting and developing pitchers needs to be gone. And they need to bring in a whole new crew of guys who can do a whole lot, a whole lot better job than what we've seen from this organization. Yeah, that's a fair one. Oh yeah. I get to go again, don't I? Yep. Okay. The next one is. The kids' playground area at Nats Park. I know this one doesn't affect you guys because you don't have kids, but there's not even anywhere to watch the damn game. Like they don't even have like TV set up. So if you're standing there watching your kids, you can't even see what's going on in the ball game, which is absurd to me. You have TVs everywhere, all over the ballpark. They have like one out there now that you can sort of see if you're standing in the right spot, but they ought to do a much better job of making that area a it's it's one little playground you've got a lot more space over there you can do something a lot better and you need to make it so that the adults who are over there can still see the ball game i think that's fine and it kind of ties into my second one uh since this is an open-ended draft and none of these things will ever happen but we can all dream uh rebuild nats park because that place is a dump and there's no defining feature there's nothing special about it 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 did not age well at all it's quickly going to become a bottom eight, bottom five stadium once some of these other teams with dumps get new stadiums. It's just, it, it has not aged well at all. It, everything around the park is going to be nicer than the actual park in a few years. That's an interesting one. Do you mean rebuild it in a different spot or rebuild the actual existing? No, the spot's fine, especially with everything being built up around it. No, it needs to look better because right now it's a dump. I think a dump is a little bit harsh, but it definitely isn't very. Um, it's a nice dump, but it's still a dump. Yeah, it just, it just, I think you're right about not having any defining features. Like it, it just doesn't have anything that really grabs you. I would love for them to maybe a refresh on Nats Park would be really nice. I mean, it was originally the clock and then they couldn't even keep the clock working. So, and to be fair, a clock isn't that great of a defining feature either. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, Ryan, hey, Ryan two to you, you your last two. <laughs> My last two. I'm excited for this. So my second pick, I'm going rebuild the social media. It's corny. It's cheesy. Also, I just want like, I just want new hashtags. Is that so hard? Like one pursuit was really cool when it first came out, mm-hmm. but now it's kind of overused. Yeah. yeah. Like natitude. Natitude's always been corny. Please get rid of it. Please stop using it. I hate it with every fiber in my body. Don't like Natitude. One Pursuit's least cool. It's just stale. Natitude stinks. Get some cool hashtags in here. Come less corny. That's one thing I rebuilt. And my last one, my third pick, would be the name. Sell the naming rights, right? That's all I want. Just sell the naming rights to the stadium. It's free money. I don't understand why more teams don't do this. And here's what you do. You reach out to the Plank family and you go, hey, I understand that you own all of Baltimore. And you're probably going to be a buyer for uh, the Orioles. That's okay. You're coming to DC because we're now Under Armour Field at Nationals Park. 
we'll even do the freaking boat tour that he bought in uh Baltimore that go by the factory and we'll put a factory right there at the park. We'll take them from Baltimore as one last F you from Angelo's steal the guy who's basically, you know, owns all of Baltimore and bring Under Armour to Nats Park and become Under Armour Park because I think the last time they shopped it around, it was like Under Armour and Exxon Mobil. And like, I'd rather look at Under Armour's logo everywhere instead of Exxon Mobil's logo or MGM. MGM would be cool. But either way, I like my FU to Angelos. So my last thing is renaming Nats Park as Under Armour Field. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, can you imagine... The how big of an fu that would be for the Baltimore premier premier Baltimore company to not buy the team and to take away the immediate Hi. district competition and take it away from Masson as well and give it a better network that'd be awesome because yeah. Angels wants to like sell the team to either like a local family or one that's like deeply rooted in Baltimore and Under Armour is pretty rooted in Baltimore oh obviously yeah so, like. <laughs> We'd be like, thank you. That one's mine. I think it'd be I'll funny. Take that. Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> and I loathe Angelos. So that would be fun. Yeah. All right. I like yeah, it. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't do ExxonMobil Park. I mean, they absolutely should still sell the naming rights, but MGM some of them ones... would be cool because, you know, you've got the MGM would be really cool. I, I honestly M- feel like I feel like MGM Park about to or MGM, MGM Park, MGM yeah. Park. Yeah, because like MGM is so it's right much there. advertising around the field national harbor is like 10 minutes away exactly and look at all the advertising they already have in that spark this is true i like it I, okay and the sports I, book okay sorry keep going no i was just gonna say i, I like under armor but i think mgm's my new favorite uh, just because it kind of rolls off the tongue better than under armor park yeah mgm um, park does kind of work or yeah, mgm so field I, I like that uh my last one they've kind of already been doing it but I kind of just want to drive the nail home. Uh, their jerseys, uniform combinations. I, I just have never been a fan of the curly W. I understand it was here before like Walgreens, but it kind of just is what it is at this point. You're, you're red. You have a curly W. You're Walgreens. I don't make the rules. That's just it's what it is. The, the new kind of logo they use with the curly w you know the one i'm talking about where it's a curly w and then it says like washington nationals around it yeah 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 like i like that one but again you're you're doing something to differentiate yourself from um walgreens Walgreens, basically like i I get it again i the the senators had it it was here before walgreens so we kind of have priority and that's why walgreens lost lawsuit and all that stuff i get it but it just it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. I would rather have the script jerseys, which it feels like those are their primaries now, which is absolutely the right decision. They need to filter in the navy jerseys a little bit more. But I love the navy; that's my favorite. Yeah, with the the white scripts and the navy scripts, develop a red script. Fire! That would be absolutely fire. Do that, and then just go back to the the old DC logo on on the hat. The interlock DC. I, mean, I actually like yeah, that one. Modernize it a little bit because I went back and looked at some of the, the hats and the jerseys that looks very retro. So you, you definitely need to modernize it. But I think that's a way better look for, you know, especially a baseball cap. It just looks better to me, in, in my opinion. And like the Dodgers, I'm always going to point to the Dodgers because I think they have the best uniforms in baseball. They have the LA, the interlocked LA. And I don't know what 
font you call that, but the interlocked LA on their hats. And then they have the Dodger script and it plays and it's classic. I think the Nats can kind of do their own version of that. You have the DC, the interlocked DC in the hat, and then you have the national script. It, it's, it's a tried and true formula. Like just go to it. Yeah. An overhaul of the uniform situation would be fun. I think it's speaking of stale and I don't know. I find road the grays that all the teams wear to be the most incredibly boring. I just feel like you have to have road grays, fine, but you could do something to make them so much better. They're boring, boring, boring. Okay, my last one is getting a little bit granular, but I have a big problem when I go to Nats Park these days, and I'll tell you what it is, is we've had the what's your favorite food at Nats Park conversation before, and one of my go-tos is the shave ice. It is gone. It is no longer at Nats Park not even not just move to another location it's gone from there and this is the worst thing that's happened in the world since they removed the donuts so i'm rebuilding leilani shave ice and the donut stand at nats park that's my third one yeah they just they need better food so yeah. when i make i guess graphic, we can make I'm, it broader. i'm just gonna say i'm just gonna say <laughs> food for you and i don't think anyone will complain no, yeah, that's true. I, I shouldn't be complaining just about the ones I actually want. But yeah, the food is the food is, I mean, it's got all the ballpark classics. Of course, you get hot dogs and popcorn and, you know, ballpark uh, pretzels and all the good stuff. But I just feel like there's, they have a few things that are pretty cool, you know, specific to DC. I really like that. Papu, the pupusaria obviously is one of my favorites. There's the new fuku, the chicken sandwich. Oh, did not oh, yet. Did you oh, try it? I haven't yes. tried it yet. Wow. Um, not what it's like in the restaurants. That's <laughs> that's really was it that, any good? It so did like, not look good when when uh, Ryan got it. Well, I pulled it out. I was a little upset. I was like, dang, just looking at it, like it was fine. It tasted like an average sandwich. Not what it is in the restaurants. My issues were the fries because they had like all these seasonings on it, but they weren't like tossed well. So every time I bit, all the seasoning would go down my throat and I'd start choking. Oh, and like yeah, that's not pleasant. You can't cough these days. And like I felt bad. Yeah, people were gonna throw you out of the stadium. This guy's just get out of here, Delta. Like a homie's just choking on his fries, coughing up a lung. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have COVID. He's just choking. We're fine. We just can't eat. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's disappointing to hear because I really like uh Mamafuku. So the restaurant food was really good there. And um all they need, what they really need is ramen. If they could please put ramen in the ballpark. I, I knew you were going to go ramen. <laughs> I am a huge, as you know, I love ramen. We need IHOP. Oh, that would be so great. IHOP Park. Although Waffle House would be better. I actually prefer Waffle House to IHOP. So, you know, Winchester's a, a, a really fancy place as we have two well, Waffle it's, Houses. It's out there. It's <laughs> You yeah. know, you're in the country when you hit a Waffle House. We've got two. So <laughs> I do love Waffle House. Now I'm hungry. All right. Well, that was fun. It's uh, none of those things will ever happen. They won't do any of the, the ideas we have for rebuilding anything outside of the team, but it is fun to dream. I think the one, well, actually maybe one will happen. I think that the naming rights to the park getting sold is something that's likely to occur. Uh, yeah. When, uh, I, I, don't even know when but when the learners decide they want more money they'll, they'll right it. it's like you said it's free money i don't understand why it hasn't happened already but i mean truest park some of them are terrible i think mgm would actually be a really a really good one it fits they're here in the, the area now and you know with all the gambling that that's going on now the sports book like 
it would it would be a perfect fit i think although under armor ryan would be more fun All right, I think that is it, except for our one big thing. What do you guys got? Uh, nothing new. I just, I guess, trust the process. Let the young guys play, and also put trust. them in positions to put them in positions to succeed. Like it, it does you no good. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman's kind of the exception because obviously he means a lot more. But there's no point in seeing these old guys play anymore. That they don't mean anything to the future of your franchise. So. Honestly, put out, take the AAA team, put it out there, add Juan Soto, add Josh Bell, and I'm fine. Let the young guys play. What do you think Zim's going to do? Do you think he's going to come back next year? I feel like he's not. I think he's not. I think he's going to retire after this year. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I, I'm literally 50-50 on it. I think he wants to, but I don't think, I think he wants to, like, physically like he feel like feels like he has more left in the tank but i don't think he wants to mentally because we're not competitive we're not competing anymore like what's the point for him of coming but i think play on if we team? if we make the moves that i want them to make in the offseason i think he'll come back because if we add a carlos correa or chris bryant or something it'd be like oh we're trying again so that means i'm a part of the equation even though he's a detriment to a team trying to compete not an addition interesting all right ryan what you got um trust the process i like that um we're still i just thought of that never heard of it before yeah Yeah, no no team (laughs) no team has ever said it it's new and original (laughs) it was just sitting there right for me it's like not embedded in entire city now but um no i mean i don't really have anything it's just stress-free baseball is great i'm enjoying it literally the only thing that matters is how the young guys are doing and it's fun hopefully we can play spoiler and still get a good pick all i care about yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of boring, but that was kind of mine too, is that I'm actually enjoying this a lot more than I thought I would. Um, it, not like it's fun to lose. It certainly isn't. But the feeling of, it's funny, you know, I've, I've said so many times, you know, we shouldn't take for granted how important it is to have your team be in contention. It's so much fun to make, that your games matter, that you're getting to the end of the season and you still care about what's happening. And uh, this obviously is <laughs> whatever the opposite of that is. But it's, uh, it, it doesn't just feel like, I, I feel bad for teams like the Pirates or the Tigers where it feels like they're never going to be in contention. But for me, this just feels like kind of a, a stress-free interlude where you get to just enjoy it, see some of these young guys play, um, see if they can develop into, you know, major league pieces that can be a part of this team going forward. And like I said, I, I feel I feel sure that the longest this kind of baseball is going to go on is into next season. But if they do make those kinds of moves in the off season and they add guys like, you know, Correa or somebody like that, and they are going to try, then, you know, maybe this is even just a half a season um, where they're, they're in, I guess, tank mode isn't right, but you know, something along those lines. And, you know, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is and uh, look forward to this team being competitive again, if not next year, then the year after. Yep. And that is it. You guys have anything else before we get out of here? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. As always, we appreciate you guys so much. Make sure you find us all on Twitter at uh, at Nationals Ace and at is it at Rebuilding Shack? What are we? I know it changes all we, the time. We we are all Shack. Okay, it's, got it. Yeah, at my my name is Rebuilding Shack. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> we are all Shack. 
And mine is at a white seven, eight, seven, seven. And you can find the show at half street high heat. That's at half S T high heat and uh, check out the website at halfstreethighheat.com. And from there you can click to get to our T public site where you can find all that fantastic merch Ryan was telling you about earlier in the show. You guys have a good night. We'll talk in a few days. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.